There was a man who went to a garage sale, and as he got to the garage sale, he began looking through some of the things that were there on the tables, and uh, he saw there a box of negatives, and it was just an old box of negatives, and as he started looking through this old box of negatives, there were some pictures of uh, Yosemite National Park and the trees and the giant redwoods and all of that. And, and he told himself, man, I, I've got to have these negatives. And so he, he went and he visited with the lady and she said, uh, I'll sell you both boxes of negatives for $45. So he looked at him and he said, okay, I'll, I'll take them. He really wanted those. And he thought he could use them for his photography business. And so he, he paid the $45 and he got them home and he laid them all out and he began to examine them and he recognized some of the work that was there. And he did some background tracing and found out that these photographs were taken by a famous landscape photographer named Ansel Adams. Now that main name means nothing to me, but some of you are nodding your heads. He sold and he's going to sell those negatives one at a time and the estimated worth of that $45 twin set box of negatives is worth upward to $200 million. Now, when he bought this, it was just in a simple box. It was just looking through the treasure that was inside that he found the real value. $45 investment returns $200 million. That would almost be enough for some of us to retire. <laughs> this morning we arrive at the edge of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 7 through 15, and we are continuing our journey verse by verse through 2 Corinthians. And in this passage this morning, Paul speaks about the value of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as Paul shares about the value of the gospel of Jesus Christ, he speaks and he shares about the value of the containers that contain the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I don't want to ruin it for you, but he calls us earthen pots, jars of clay. And so the title of this message this morning is called Jars of Clay. And as we look at this passage, we are reminded of the value of the jar really gets its value from what's contained inside. So open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, if you're not already there. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7. And it begins this way. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. 
Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. As we dive into this passage this morning, there are three headings that we're going to look at. The first thing we see is the accurate assessment. The second thing we see is the applicable uh, analogies. And the third thing we see is the awestruck anticipation. Before we dive into this this morning, let's just have a word of prayer. Great God in heaven, we're grateful that we can pause before you this morning as we look into your word. Grateful, Lord, as we sit here this morning, that we each have a copy of your word on our laps, and it's in our own language. It's even in our own native language. We're so grateful for that this morning. And as we open your word this morning, I pray your word would be open to us. I pray that we would hear from you this morning, not the, not the ramblings of some man, but I pray that we would hear from you this morning. So take your word, open our hearts, and pour it in. Lord, we're grateful for who you are, especially grateful for your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Now, the first thing we want to look at this morning is this thought of an accurate assessment. Look at verse 7 with me. The first word there is the word but. And it's interesting as we begin this paragraph, I was always taught in high school never to begin the sentence with, begin a sentence with but. Actually, it was before high school because my grandma was an English teacher. You could never say ain't and you could never start a sentence with but. That's just the way it worked. Uh, but as we think about this and as we see this, this is how this paragraph starts. Now, it just so happens that we ended in verse 6 last week, and verse 7 is where we are this morning, and this first word, but, is here. And as we think about this word, but, we want to use the same principle when we see that word as we do with the word, therefore. The word, therefore, we always look back to see what the therefore is there for, and this but signifies to us a contrast. He has shared something with us, and now there's a contrast. There's a, a point that he's going to be making. Now, Paul has just shared with us about the ministry that God has given to him. It's not his own ministry. It's not something that he dreamed up, but it's a ministry that God has given to him. And as God gave him this ministry, the glory of Christ was shown into his heart. Look at verse 6 with me there in 2 Corinthians 4. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's what this message is that Paul has been given. Now notice the next word in verse 7. But this is what God has done, shown in our hearts this great message of the glory of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay. This treasure is obviously the priceless gospel message. That's what's been given to him. The light of the gospel that's been shown in his heart, that is the treasure. The light that shines into our hearts is that treasure. 
The knowledge of the glory of God is that treasure. And that treasure is a treasure of great value. This is what was shared in Matthew 13, verse 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. That's the value of this treasure. That's the value that's contained in this treasure, the kingdom of heaven. This treasure is priceless. And that's what Paul is calling it here, is this treasure. But notice he says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. Jars of clay. This word that's used here for jars of clay, some of your translations say earthen vessels. That's what a jar of clay is. It's dirt mixed with a little bit of water, formed into a particular way, hardened by the sun. Nothing more than dirt. And jars of clay were common things. They were frail things. They were cheap things. They were valueless things. Kind of like that, that Tupperware that you have in your drawer. You know how it holds up in the dishwasher? Ah. But we don't throw a fit about it, do we? We look at it, we're like, well, this will no longer hold food. We put it in the trash. Next time we're out and we, we hit the mall, Dollar General, we buy another one. Okay? It's that, and we don't lose sleep over it. That's just the way it is. And we keep that lid. You know, we don't throw the lid away with it. We just we keep the lid because you've got to have the lid. But that's how it is. It's, it's worthless. Uh, some of the ruins that are around Israel, you can go around those old cities and you can still find handles of these earthen vessels. They're everywhere. And if they broke or if they cracked, they just threw them away, made another one, and they were on to the next one. So they were of no value. Now, Paul uses these jars of clay as an illustration of us as believers. Paul himself was a jar of clay, just a common, everyday jar of clay. Sometimes we think about the Apostle Paul. We think about those great men of the faith, and we think, we'll never be like that. Congratulations, you will be like that. Because you, just as they are, are just a simple clay pot. You're just simply earthenware. And that's what Paul says. That's what Paul shares. Sometimes we feel inadequate as we think about who we are. But we all are in the same boat. We are all earthenware. We're just jars of clay. No value. But notice verse 7. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. You see, the jar of clay has no value, but the value is what is inside this jar of clay. A decorative vase looks great, and no matter what's inside of that decorative vase, we keep it. When we were in Honduras a few years ago, I found a candle, and my wife loves candles, and so I thought, man, if I I bring this candle home, I'm in good shape. You know, I'll, I'll be able to come home. 
<laughs> and and it's 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 a candle. It's just in a little bowl like this, and it's a it's a dark clay, and it has some just some clear markings on it, and it's it's kind of pretty. I mean, I admit it. It looks pretty good. It caught my eye when I walked into the shop, and so I grabbed it and I bought it, and I brought it home and I showed it to my wife, and she says, "Man, that looks amazing," and she lit the candle, and we waited, and you know we were. We were really hoping, we were really hoping for that uh, essence of vanilla, cinnamon, hickory, and pistachio. <laughs> but it never came. It never came. This candle is nothing but wax. That's it. White wax. No malodorous aroma at all. But you know what? She kept it. She kept it. Not because the candle is so amazing, the wax inside, but because of that vase that's on the outside. That's the only reason that she kept it. This pot of clay that we have is not decorative. There's nothing on our outside that, that makes us worth anything. What makes us worth something is the message that's inside. Because we are earthen vessels, God gets the glory. When we get to heaven one day, we're not going to be commended on how great we look as pots of clay. The Lord Jesus Christ is going to be at the forefront, and He's the one that's going to be worshipped. Even when we're given our rewards, we're going to give those rewards back to Him for His glory and for His honor. Because it's all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's all about Jesus. Because we are earthen vessels, God gets the glory. There's nothing special about us. This is what Paul shared in verse chapter 3, verse 5. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to claim anything as coming from us. Our sufficiency is from God. As jars of clay, we're all in the same boat. Our sufficiency comes from God. The treasure that is within us is priceless. That's the value, is the treasure that's within us. This is 1 Corinthians 1, 26. Paul shared this in his first letter to the people of Corinth. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you were wise according to worldly standards. Not many were powerful. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. Yes. You see, it's all about Jesus Christ. I know I've told you this before, but when I was a Schwann's man, after you've been there for a couple of years and they figure you'll stick around and your pulse holds up, they send you to Marshall, Minnesota for training. So we flew to Minneapolis, Minnesota, and the bus broke down that was supposed to take us from Minneapolis 
to Marshall. And so we had to wait in the airport for three hours until they built and replaced and reupholstered a new bus for us. <laughs> and so while we're sitting there, we're sitting with other Schwann's men. The longest three hours of my entire life. Because all of these guys did was boast about how good a Schwann's men they were. And so I'm going to this class and I'm thinking, man, I got a lot to learn because I don't, I don't have the skills these guys have. I was so relieved when we got there and we started class and they needed the training worse than I did. <laughs> but you know what? If, if boasting was something we would be doing in heaven, I wouldn't want to go. I wouldn't want to go because eternity in heaven would literally be longer than eternity. But when we get to heaven, it's all going to be about the Lord Jesus Christ. And why is that? Because we are earthen vessels and the power that's within us, the message, the treasure that's within us is all about God. It's all about the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul shares this in Romans 1.16. I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Did you hear that? It is the power of the gospel to everyone who believes. That's the treasure that we have inside of us is this gospel message. This gospel message is the power, not this earthen vessel that's cracked and faulty and worthless. What's of value is the message that's within. And that's what Paul says. Hey, we're just vessels. We're here clean and ready and empty for the master's use, but we're just vessels. That's all we are is vessels. And we're in that same boat. And so as Paul looks and as he sees his team, he gives us this accurate assessment and he says, we are just vessels. The real treasure is the gospel of Jesus Christ, the knowledge of Christ. That's the real treasure. Then he gives us an applicable analogy. Look at verse 8. It says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. As we think about this thought here, Paul says we're afflicted in every way. And this, this word literally means to be pressed hard upon, to be squeezed. That's, that's this word that's used here, to be, to be crushed. In Paul's ministry, he was under constant pressure. We see it in the book of Acts. The Jews did not like him because he was proclaiming Jesus as the Messiah. That was offensive to the Jews. Even though he was Jewish, they didn't want him. Then as he went and as he traveled around the world sharing the gospel with the Gentiles, he was turning the world upside down. People were leaving behind their gods to follow the one true God that Paul shared with them. And the Gentiles didn't like Paul either. So he was being squeezed on one side by the Jews, being squeezed on the other side by the Gentiles. So Paul really spent his ministry literally between a rock and a hard place. And he says, we are afflicted in every way, but we are not crushed. But we are not crushed. And I love that but in the middle of that. Afflicted, but not crushed. The next thing we see is he says, perplexed, but not to despair. This phrase is a play on words. Uh, he says here, 
We are lost, but not really lost. That's, that's the phrase that's here. Uh, we are lost, but it's not a total loss. I once read about Davy Crockett, and Davy Crockett was the king of the wild frontier, right? Uh, went to the Alamo and was a senator for a while. And someone asked him, in, in the backwoods of Tennessee, were you ever lost? And he says, I was never lost. He said, there were about uh, three or four days that I was bewildered and didn't know where I was, but I've never been lost. And this is what Paul is saying here. We were perplexed. We, we didn't know what was going on. We, we didn't know what was happening. But we were not in despair. We were not in despair. There were circumstances when, when Paul had no explanation in regards to his circumstances. Wasn't sure what to do next. But he was never without hope. He was never without hope. His hope was in God. Notice verse 9. It says, persecuted, but not forsaken. This is an interesting phrase here, and it's important that we recognize the scope of this. Paul knew what serious persecution was all about. He shared this with us in chapter 1, verse 8 of 2 Corinthians. We do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Boy, when it comes to that point, when we don't know if we're going to live or die, that's where Paul was. I don't know if we're going to live or die. But in the midst of this persecution, not knowing if he was going to live or die, he says, we were never forsaken. He knew that in the midst of that, even though he thought that life could be over, he knew that God was with him. Even in that moment, he knew that God was in his midst. The Lord never left him in the face of that persecution alone. God was, was always with him. He was persecuted, yes, but never forsaken. Amen. Never forsaken. I think that's such a great encouragement to us because sometimes we do feel overwhelmed with things. Sometimes we may wonder where God is in the midst of our circumstances. But God never forsakes us. God never forsakes us. And Paul knew that. He says in verse 9, struck down, but not destroyed. He was knocked down, but never knocked out. He was still going. He was still going. I read this, and I thought instantly of, of Acts chapter 14. I didn't know it was Acts chapter 14. I had to look. It's in the right-hand side of my Bible, and I've underlined this verse, so that's where I knew it was. So I had to get my old Bible and look for the underline. But this is Acts 14, verse 19. It says, Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul. And they dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But <laughs> when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up, he entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. You know the crazy thing about this is Barnabas was only with him on the first missionary journey. And he went on two more after this. And he finished the journey. He got stoned, left for dead, knocked down, 
got up, <laughs> went back into the city, continued the journey. Knocked down, never knocked out. Struck down, not destroyed. Now notice what he says in verse 10. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. This picture is what, Jesus, what Paul is all about. As an earthen vessel, he carried the message of Jesus Christ. Regardless of where he was, regardless of the hardships he suffered, it was all about Jesus Christ. Paul was like a sponge. When you fill a sponge with water, all you do is just tap it and the water comes out. That's the Apostle Paul. So full of Jesus that anytime he was touched, Jesus just oozed out. He suffered because it was all about Jesus. If he would have just kept his mouth shut, things would have been easier for him. But he was all about Jesus. It was great persecution that he experienced, not at the hands of God, but at the hands of those who did not like his message. 2 Corinthians 1 verse 5 says this, For as we share abundantly in Christ's suffering, so through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. Even in the midst of all of that heaviness, the persecution, because he was carrying the message of Christ, Christ brought comfort to him. Even though people were opposed to his message, even though they didn't like hearing what he said, God comforted him in those moments. His mortal flesh was just earthenware, but Jesus was manifested in his mortal body, in his earthenware. Notice verse 12. So death is at work in us, but life in you. All that Paul went through, he did it for life. He did it for eternal life for those who he ministered to. He wanted those he ministered to to experience eternal life. He would go through it so that Jesus could be shared. And he went through it willingly so he could share Jesus. 2 Timothy 2.10 says this, Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they also may obtain the salvation that is in Christ with eternal glory. So he didn't know who the elect were. He didn't know who God was calling to himself. But he went through the work. He went through the trouble just so he could share the message with them so they could receive salvation. So they too could experience eternal life just like he had. That was his motivation. Now, we see some awestruck anticipation. And his mindset here is... A great thing for us to meditate on. His mindset here and his anticipation here is a great thing for us to be mindful of. Look at verse 13. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, 
I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we also speak. Now you'll notice the quotation marks there and if you have a New American Standard that portion is probably in italics. That simply just shares with us that he's quoting from the Old Testament and he is quoting Psalm 118 verse 10. I believed and so I spoke. Notice what it says next. We also believed and so we also spoke. He took Psalms 118 verse 10, applied it to his own life. He believed the message of Jesus Christ and he spoke the message of Jesus Christ. He believed the gospel and thus he proclaimed it. He couldn't help himself. He had to proclaim it. You know how that is when we buy that box of negatives that's worth $250 million? No, we don't know that. But there's things that we have that are exciting for us that we've got to share. We've got to run and tell somebody. Paul says, I believe the gospel message. It filled my heart. It changed my life. And I can't help but proclaim it. It's got to be shared. Now notice what he says in verse 14. Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. The greatest thing about heaven is not that they have darts there. The greatest thing about heaven is not the golden streets. The greatest thing about heaven is that we're going to be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Everything else is dim in comparison. It doesn't matter. So Paul says, hey, we know in spite of all of these things being perplexed and overwhelmed and all of that, we know all of that stuff. But we also know the same God that raised Jesus Christ from that tomb is also going to raise us. And we too are going to be with him one day. And we're going to spend eternity with him. We know that. That's what's driving us. That's what we're looking forward to. That's what excites us. We know that. It's in the bag. Paul's hope was in the gospel message that Jesus Christ died, was buried, and rose again. And his full trust was in the truth of that message and the assurance of the truth of that message. Not only was he a gospel sharer, he was also a client. You guys remember that hair care commercial? <laughs> Not only am I the founder of hair care, I'm also a client. And then it showed in the before picture. Paul was not only a sharer of the gospel, but he was a client. Remember, he was Saul. And Jesus Christ got a hold of him, changed his life. So he is one of those non-paid performers because it changed his life. And he was excited about that time that he was going to be face-to-face -face with Jesus Christ. And he says, and all of y'all, that's what he says in the Greek, all y'all in Corinth are going to be with me there. That's why I'm here. That's why we are here. Regardless of what the false teachers say, we know what's on the other side. And we're going to be there with Jesus. 
and it's going to be worth the wait. Now, first fit, verse 15 is so exciting for me. Look at verse 15. For it is all, it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it will increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. Paul was willing to go so that more people could hear the good news. He wants them to hear the good news. And Paul is selfless. He doesn't want to just hold on to this treasure and say, man, this is so great. I got fire insurance. I'm just so stoked. I don't have to worry about it. That was not his mindset. <laughs> Paul wanted others to hear and to believe. When people hear and believe, they will receive forgiveness of sin. And that's a great thing. Paul tells us later, this is a great thing. But notice the thing that made him most excited. So that as grace extends to more and more people, this is, this is what's going to happen. When they see and they believe and they recognize Jesus as the Messiah, that grace is extended to them. Paul goes there, just a vessel of clay, Here's the treasure that's within. As he shares that, that grace is extended through him to the audience that he's sharing with. As they recognize that grace being extended to them, as they receive that grace, they are forgiven for their sins. As a result of that, thanksgiving increases. Thanksgiving increases. In our bathroom, we have two fans. And I'm so grateful for both of those fans because when I'm in the shower singing, no one else can hear. <laughs> now, mind you, when that shower head's on, it's in perfect tone, okay? I'm hitting all of the perfect notes, okay? But I make it a practice not to sing alone in public. I don't do it. But you know, I sound a lot better singing praise when all y'all join with me. Because we sound a lot better in a group than I do by myself. Paul says, this grace is extended to others so that as they receive this grace, they too give thanks back to God. And as a group, we sound better than as an individual. And so Paul says, as this grace is extended, we just keep adding people to the hallelujah choir. Amen. And what a great thing this is. The more we have, the better we sound. Promise Keepers was a group that was meeting for a while, and they met at Mile High Stadium in Denver, Colorado. 75,000 men packed into Mile High Stadium. It started at Folsom Field in Boulder, Colorado, and then they were in Denver and they met in Denver. 75,000 men singing a cappella. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. A few of those guys in that group, not so good. <laughs> 75,000 of them together, what an amazing thing. When we gather in heaven, we're all going to be singing perfect pitch, perfect tune, but how amazing is that going to be? when all of us are singing together, all of those who've had that grace extended to them, who've received that grace, 
And as a result of receiving that grace, they can't boast about how great they are. They have to boast about the Lord Jesus Christ. And as a result, they give praise. Paul says that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. All to the glory of God. So there you have it. The accurate assessment, the applicable analogies, and the awestruck anticipation. So what do we take home from this? I mean, what do we apply to our Sunday afternoon and possibly our Monday morning? We're reminded in this letter that we are ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are his representatives. And as representatives of the Lord Jesus Christ, we are but clay pots. I don't know about you, but that makes me feel more better. That we're all clay pots. That God can use us in spite of who we are, in spite of the cracks that we have, in spite of the worthless clay that we're made of. God can use us. Because the treasure is on the inside. The treasure is the glory of Jesus Christ and what he's done for us. And so as clay pots, all we can do is just go out and shine and let the light shine. Uh, yeah. That's all we can do. The judge that's in the book of Judges, his name starts with a G. Remember when he gathered around with 300 soldiers and they all had the glass pots, pots of clay? They broke the clay pots and the light shone. That's what we are. Clay pots, fit for the master's use, ready to be used. That's what we need to be. The value we have is the treasure that we contain. No ifs, ands, or buts. Even on a good hair day, that's all we are. Just a clay pot. As ambassadors of the Lord Jesus Christ, we need to be sharing the treasure that's within us. That's what we need to be proclaiming. And you know, as we think about this, as we think about us being ambassadors, it needs to be our desire that we see the grace of God extended to other people. That should be our mindset. Looking at our neighbors, looking at our friends, looking at our family, desiring that the grace of God would be extended to them just as it was extended to us. Me as a clay pot did not deserve to have that extended to me, but it was in spite of me that grace was extended to me. And I need to make sure that as an ambassador, I'm seeking to extend that grace to others so that they too can receive that forgiveness of sin, so that they too can offer thanksgiving, so that they too one day can join the hallelujah choir. And we need to have that desire to see that grace extended.